is Tyler, and welcome to another episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you guys stuff most adults don't even know. If this is your first time hearing, or if you've missed anything, you can find all the episodes archived at contextforkids.podbean.com, which has them downloadable, or at contextforkids.com, where I have transcripts for readers, or on my Context for Kids YouTube channel. Parents, most scripture this week will be from the Miss Tyler version. It's the MTV. Um, you know, where I take the Christian Standard Bible and I reword it a bit to make it easier for kids to understand the meaning and the context of the verses around it. Now, what would you say if God told you to go camping for a week with absolutely everyone? Would that sound good to you? Or would you be like, um, ick, I hate bugs. And the last time I went camping, it rained all week, and we never came out of our tents. What if you knew that the camping trip was supposed to be full of singing, dancing, and eating the best food you've eaten all year? Does it sound better now? Oh, yeah, you betcha. Well, that's exactly what God commanded his people when they were in the wilderness after being freed from slavery in Egypt. They were living in tents called Sukkot. A tent is a sukkah, and more than one tent is sukkot, tents. Let's see what the Miss Tyler version of the Bible has to say about this big camping trip for everyone. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites the festival of sukkot, the festival of tents, to the Lord begins on the 15th day of the seventh month, that's five days after Yom Kippur, which we talked about last week, and keeps on going for seven days. Everyone has to gather together on the first day, and you can't do your normal jobs at all, except you can cook, and it says that in another place. The priests need to present animal offerings to the Lord for seven days. On the eighth day, after the festival of tents has ended, you will all gather together again and present another animal offering to the Lord. It's a very special gathering called a high holy day, just like the first day of the festival of tents. You can't do your normal jobs. And I'm going to skip a few. You will celebrate the Lord's festival, his big yearly party, on the 15th day of the seventh month for seven days after you have gathered in the produce of the land, which means the harvest is over and all their hard work is done. Yay! There will be complete rest from working on the first day and complete rest on the eighth day. It doesn't mean they're going to go sleep. Although they probably will do that too. On the first day, you are to take branches of majestic trees, palm fronds, branches of leafy trees, and the willows that grow along the rivers, and celebrate before the Lord your God for seven days. You need to celebrate it as a festival to the Lord seven days every single year. This is a forever commandment for you and for everyone who comes after you, celebrated in the seventh month, which means don't move it around. You are to live in tents for seven days. All the native born of Israel must live in shelters so that your children and their children forever will know that I made the Israelites live in tents out in the wilderness when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And that's from Leviticus 23. Verses 33 through 36 and 39 through 43. I'm tongue-tied today. I hope it's not too hard to listen to me. 
<laughs> wow. So a week-long party. But what does all this mean anyway? How do we do it now when there's no tabernacle or temple to go to so that we can all celebrate before the Lord? Celebrating before the Lord in the Bible meant to go to where his presence was and worship him there and have a party in his honor together. That meant traveling to where the tabernacle was. Once they weren't all gathered around it in the camp in the wilderness anymore or to Jerusalem when the temple was there. And did you know that God told them that they could just leave their houses and no one would come to steal anything while they were gone? Pretty cool, eh? Well, there is no place that we can travel now to celebrate in the presence of God. Now, if you've listened to the last two programs, you know that the presence of God lives with us now. The Holy Spirit is in every believer, making us a living temple because that's what a temple was the place where the spirit of a God lived. All of us together make up the temple of God now. And so anytime we're together, we are in the presence of God, but also when we're alone. When the native-born Israelites celebrated the Feast of Sukkot, they went to where God's presence was, and they lived in tents for eight days and had the biggest party of the whole year. But what do we do when we're not native-born Israelites? Is the party for us too or just for them? Well, I can tell you that it's definitely for us too, because now, according to the Gospel of John, we have an even better reason for celebrating the Festival of Tents. John said, the word, that's Jesus, by the way, God's final word to us, became a human and tented, lived among us. We saw how glorious he was, the glory that he has because he is the one and only Son of God, the Father, full of grace and truth. That's John 1.14. And great googly moogly. Now, even though we can't see it in English translations of the Bible, the Greek words say that he lived with us in a tent. I mean, a tent of human skin, you know, the body of Jesus. Why do you think John said that? I think John was saying that because the festival of tents was when Jesus was born. I believe that the angel Gabriel visited his mother Mary around the time of Hanukkah, which happens close to when Christmas is celebrated, and that he was born during the festival nine months later. I mean, we know he couldn't really have been born in December because it was way too cold for the shepherds to be out with their sheep that at night that time of year. But during the Festival of Tents, it was perfectly fine outside and people would actually be dancing and singing all night long. So my family, although you might do something different because the Bible isn't really specific about when he was born, because in the ancient world, they would tell you when a person died, but not when they were born. And the Bible's no different. My family celebrates Jesus' birthday all week long. We can't live in tents here because we get winds that week that are often 60 miles an hour and anything left in the yard gets blown far, far away. One year when we were celebrating, we heard a huge boom. It was our next door neighbor's trampoline coming down in our yard right over the six foot fence. And they were on vacation in California, so we had to leave it there until they came back because it would have just blown right over again. It was pretty funny, and after that, they chained the trampoline to the big willow tree in their backyard. 
We call trampolines Idaho kites. And you know those big yard umbrellas too. They do that. Now, we can't do this anymore. But did you know that all the nations in the world were represented at the Festival of Sukkot? You know it means tents now, so I'm going to stop reminding you. They offered 70 bulls to the Lord as whole burnt offerings. <clears throat> that means that the whole city of Jerusalem smelled like one huge barbecue for a whole week. They sacrificed 13 bulls on the first day, 12 on the second day, and each day there was one less until the last day of the festival where they burned seven bulls. And it all added up to 70. Now, it doesn't say this in the Bible, although the Bible talks about the 70 nations that come from Noah and his sons, but some rabbis think that those might have been offerings for everyone who wasn't Jewish so that, that we could worship God too, even if we didn't know it at the time. <clears throat> Pretty cool, huh? But we can't do this now, and we shouldn't because no one's allowed to sacrifice anywhere except in Jerusalem in the place where God told them, you know, was the only place they were allowed to. In fact, God told them that if they sacrificed animals anywhere else, they would be giving those animals to goat demons. Not sure about you, but in my life, I try to avoid doing that. But what do the bulls for the 70 nations have to do with Jesus? Did you know that one of the last things he told his disciples was that they were supposed to preach to all the nations of the world? In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am always with you to the end of the age. Wow. Do you think that maybe God was showing us in this festival that in the future, all the nations would be gathered around God's presence? I sure think so. And they did other amazing things too, like parading around with leafy branches and singing. And you can do that too. But I want you to actually get permission before you go get any branches because that can be really bad and really rude. You don't want to do that. Now, they do a ceremony called the Water Pouring Festival again now, and it's very interesting. It would happen every night during the Festival of Sukkot. The priests would go down from the temple to the Gihon Spring in the old city of David, which is way smaller than Jerusalem is now. I mean, like teeny tiny. They would take a silver flask, which looks like a very fancy silver vase, you know, that's made for pouring water. And the priest would fill it with water from the Gihon Spring. And the priest would blow their silver trumpets and people would blow on the shofar. You know, the animal horns that we talked about two weeks ago that they blew a hundred times for the festival of the blowing of trumpets. And they prayed and played music and they sang songs as they paraded the water all the way up to the temple while waving their palm fronds. The priest held the water up above his head so that everyone could see it and follow him. When they got to the temple, 
one priest went to the altar with the water and another priest went with the wine and they would blow the trumpets and pray. And then at the same time, the priests would pour the water and the wine out together into two beautiful silver cups until the liquid ran over the sides. Then there were more prayers and singing and celebrations all night long. And as I recall, there was one rabbi who was supposed to be really, really good at juggling torches that were lit on fire. And he was very famous for it. (laughs) Now, this happened every night. And I actually have a YouTube video linked in the transcript so you can see some of the ceremony. It's about an 11 minute video. But in real life, it would have taken much longer. And, you know, there are about a thousand people who joined them in the parade this time. That would have been a lot more in the past. But what do water and wine being poured out have to do with Jesus? I'm so glad you asked. And we're going to go back to the Gospel of John for this. This time I have two verses for you because it's important twice for the same reason. John 7, verses 37 through 38 says, On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and shouted, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within them. Wow. Did he say this while the priest was pouring out the water and the wine? I sure think so. He was telling them that no matter how excited and happy they were about ordinary water and wine being poured out, that if they were really thirsty, then they would only be satisfied by the Holy Spirit who would come to them through Jesus. The streams of living water can't be gotten out of a spring that comes out of the ground, but from trust in Jesus that he is who he says he is, and that he is speaking the truth about God. But that's not all John had to say. After Jesus was dead, the soldiers came around to break everyone's legs so that they would die more quickly. But when they saw that Jesus was already dead, the soldier wanted to make sure he wasn't faking it. And so one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once blood and water poured out. That's John 19.35. If you remember when we studied the Passover with Jesus, he said that the wine they were drinking at dinner was the blood of the new covenant, a better covenant because Jeremiah said that God's commandments would be written on our hearts and not just in the Bible. So when the soldier cut him with a spear, it was like God was performing the water pouring ceremony himself. Whenever the priest had been doing that for hundreds of years, God was showing them about Jesus being the living water and the blood poured out on God's altar. And Jesus was even crucified in an old stone quarry, the same kind of stone that the altar in the temple was built out of. Jesus wasn't a sacrifice, though. He was just like a sacrifice. No sacrifice at the temple or tabernacle could save us from our sins. Only Jesus could do that by dying to make it so that Satan isn't the boss of anyone who loves Jesus. And we can't stay dead because we are flowing with living water forever. That's why it's so important that we know about the festivals and celebrate them because they all tell us about Jesus. Passover tells us about when he died. 
The day of first fruits tells us about him being the first to rise from the dead with a perfect glorified body that can never get sick or die again. Pentecost, or Shavuot, tells us about the Holy Spirit of God filling up the believers in Jesus. Yom Teruah, or Rosh Hashanah, the day of trumpets and the beginning of the new agricultural year, tell us to celebrate Jesus as our king because God has given him rulership over everything in heaven and on earth. Yom Kippur teaches us that we need to carefully guard God's reputation and his presence in our lives through how we represent the teachings of Jesus as living stones of his worldwide temple. And Sukkot, the festival of tabernacles or tents, teaches us that Jesus came to live among us like a man in a tent when he left the right hand of God and became human for us. It also teaches us that Jesus would gather all the nations of the world to God. And finally, that Jesus is the living water and wine of God's covenant with all of us. He went to a lot of trouble to make sure that the festival ceremonies would make it obvious, but only after it all happened, that Jesus is God's one unique Son, the Messiah, our Savior and King. What better reason for a party? Now, I love to cook. And this is the day that I really cook all of our favorite foods. Pastrami brisket that's been soaking in salt water for two weeks and has to cook for 14 or 15 hours. I already have the blueberry pies in the freezer and I will make my mom's famous Swedish tea ring, which is so yummy. And we will have so much fruit and grape juice and my husband and kids will drink wine because they're grownups now. I mean, my husband's been a grownup for a long time. <laughs> And um, my son's girlfriends will be with us sharing in the meal and we will have something special every single day. Oh, and birthday cake. I'm pretty sure that Jesus loves coconut. So there will be a coconut cake for sure. <clears throat> or, I, or maybe I'm the one that likes coconut. I will put my favorite radio station on first thing in the morning and just listen to music about God all day long. And when I don't have knives in my hands, I will dance. But otherwise, I will sing when I know the words of the songs. And I will make a huge platter of turkey sandwiches on croissants or maybe sourdough bread. And mine will have extra pickles and so much mustard. Lots of extra pickles. When people look at my sandwiches, they're like, Would you like some more sandwich to go with your pickles and mustard? I will set the table with my fancy tablecloth and silver candlesticks, and we will have the spices and the grape juice and the wine on the table, and I'll light the candles and pray. And my husband, Mark, will say the prayers over the challah and the wine. Challah is special yummy bread. Yummy, yummy bread. And he will pray for our sons and their girlfriends, who we love very much. It will be a wonderful celebration, and it is very different now than when they were kids. We were only ever able to make a sukkah outside one year when we lived in Missouri and we built a fort in the woods on our property with branches on top for a roof so that we could see the sky and we would go out and eat in it and enjoy ourselves. But when they were smaller, we almost always lived somewhere really cold. And so we would build blanket and pillow forts in the basement if we didn't have enough room or a tent if we did have a room. 
it was lots of fun and they would eat their meals in there and really enjoyed it. And sometimes we weren't able to take it down for a month because they loved it so much. You don't have to go to Jerusalem or have anything fancy to celebrate Jesus becoming a human and tabernacling with us. Whatever you do, just remind yourself that is a picture of Jesus as well as a picture of the Israelites out in the wilderness after God freed them from slavery. Jesus freed us from slavery too because Satan was holding us as captives and we served him because we were sinning and didn't have the power to stop. Didn't even want to stop. I didn't even want to stop. I was bad. So that was God's camping holiday. And if you're really lucky, you might live somewhere where people from all over get together and camp and have fun all week. But most people don't. That's okay. Because you are people too, and you can do it at home. A good thing to always remember is that we can't really keep the feast the way it tells us to in the Bible because there's no temple. But that's okay. What's important is that we understand them so that we can understand better how they all point right at Jesus, our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Whether he was born at Sukkot or some other time of the year, it is still a wonderful time to celebrate that he tented here with us. He lived here with us so that he could show us exactly what God looks like in everything he ever said and did. We do that by giving gifts to the poor so that they can have nice meals too. Just like he fed the 5,000 and 4,000 with loaves and fishes in the wilderness and filled the nets of the disciples with fishes on the Sea of Galilee. We can visit the people we know who are lonely and sick because Jesus went around helping the poor and healing the sick. Now, if this is your first time knowing about all these holidays, it's okay to just do something very small. God loves it when we worship him in big and small ways and in new ways and in old ways. So if this is new to you, you can have fun with it and maybe try new things. I personally believe that God made coffee tables, couches, and blankets so that we could turn them into indoor forts. Yes, I know he didn't really make those things. You know, maybe it's time to do some crafts and color or make cookies together or cut up fruit into a salad or spend the day singing and dancing. I'll have lots of links for ideas in my transcript. Maybe you have favorite movies you enjoy. I love watching The Princes, Prince of Egypt, Joseph King of Dreams, and all the old Bible movies and even Veggie Tales. I still love Larry Boy, and I have a shirt with him on it. I can still sing the cheeseburger song and the belly button song and all the rest. It's an amazing time of year. Oh, and I need to teach you some Hebrew so that you know how to say happy holidays. During Sukkot, we say Chag Sameach. It actually does mean happy holiday. If you want to learn more, I have some very, very old videos on my Context for Kids YouTube channel too. You know, when I had longer hair and fewer wrinkles and much smaller glasses. Now, really quick, let me tell you about the very last day of the festival. And it happens the day after Sukkot, and so people call it the eighth day of the festival, or Shemini Yatzeret. Everyone who's gone to Jerusalem for Sukkot would gather together at the temple for one final service. Now, why is this important? Weren't they all just saying goodbye before going home? Well, 
although they would do that, I'm sure, and say goodbye to the extended family that they might not see again until the spring for Passover week, setting apart this day as a special and holy day is very important to the story of Jesus. You see, Jesus died on the Passover and he was still in the grave on the Sabbath, on the seventh day. But the day he rose from the grave with his glorified and immortal body that would never get sick or die and could even go through walls was the very next day, which we could call either the first day of the week or the eighth day. I call it the eighth day, Shemini Atzeret, because it was on that day that the whole world changed. It wasn't only the beginning of a new week, but it was also the beginning of a new creation. God's kingdom of heaven on earth where we can live changed lives because Jesus is our king and the Holy Spirit guides us and helps us to be more and more like him. I love you and I am praying for you and Chag Sameach. Happy holiday from my family to yours.